Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Tarot No Questions Asked, Master in the Art of Intuitive Reading. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 213 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I just shout short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is how we began reading tarot, writing about it, and creating decks. And my special guest is Sarah Potter. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, I am so happy that you are here. And I know you've got a new deck out, which we're going to be talking about, the Cosmo Tarot. It's so cool. And, you know, one of the things that I found over the years for, you know, many people who are interested in tarot, they always want to know how the pros got started. And then when we start transitioning in our careers into playing different roles, like teachers, writers, authors, or deck creators, people want to know, how does this all happen? I get asked this all the time. And I've been watching your career transition. I thought there's nobody better to talk about this topic with than you. So I want to, let's begin just talking about how did you get into tarot and why did you get into it? So I was becoming a teenager in the mid to late nineties when we had this renaissance of the seventies, new age, uh, sensibilities. So I was seeing tarot a little bit more. I grew up on the Jersey shore and there weren't really occult shops there. So I got all of my witchy accoutrement at Barnes and Noble and the, the mall. And <laughs> Um, and to be honest, like, I just wanted to know who had a crush on me. So I needed different ways to get these answers. So my best friend and I, we were always using the Ouija board and I feel like, you know, we're having, we're accessing this portal to the spirits and it's like, oh, does this one like me? Does this one like me? Like, obviously like the very big questions when you're 12 years old and then, you know, you kind of you, you want, you need more access. You need more options. You need more answers. And I went into, there's this like funky shop. I think it's still around. It's called East meets West and it's in the mall. And they had, you know, the tie dye and the grateful dead bears and these candles that were sculpted to look like wizards. And my best friend, I always just loved going in there. And then if you went into the back room through the beaded curtains, that's where they had all of the tarot decks. And I have such a visceral memory of seeing that Rider Waite deck, seeing that illustration by Pixie of the magician and that yellow box and just my eyes being going right to it. And I was like, that is a powerful being. And I need to know what he has to say. And I was like, I need a tarot deck. And my friend's mom read cards. And so I remember we were, we were looking at all of the cards and, you know, it felt so like special in the back room. Like you weren't really supposed to be there. They had some crystals and tarot and it was very like, this realm is important. And I remember I was like laboring over which deck to buy because there were so many options and I was like, do I go with the classic, like this Rider Waite, this magician, it feels very important. 
but also cat people was really catching my eye. Do you know that, Deb? Yeah. So <laughs> anything with cats on it, come on. I mean, we wore a t-shirt now with a cat on it. <laughs> I love it. Of course. I should have known. And I remember like, like that deck looked um strange I don't know but it was like it was evocative and it was like these human figures but they were cats and I, I love cats and I had a, a cat familiar at the time and I remember just being like you know what maybe that'll be the second deck but like let me start with the classic and I feel like it was I don't know I feel like it was 18 or 20 dollars which at 12 that was a lot of money but I was like this is important and so I remember I had my deck and I got this and um, I, I don't know where I was getting my tarot information other than my friend's mom and trying to go into these like witchy AOL chat rooms <laughs> because that was it. I don't know. I mean, like that was, those were the only options. And there was, there was a medical, uh, a metaphysical shop about a half an hour away, but it felt very inaccessible. My mom did take me there, but I was very intimidated. The people were much, much older than me. And I don't know that they were thrilled to have like 12 year old girls in the shop. And I certainly wasn't going to ask them my questions. I was going into the AOL chat room and who knows who I was talking to, but I remember like, okay, I need to wrap my cards in a scarf because they're very special. So I had this flower print scarf that my mom had given me. And I was like, oh, you know, this should be part of my ritual. And I remember like shuffling up the cards and asking my question and then looking down. And I had no idea what the cards were saying to me. So I would use the little book and my friend's mom would help us too. But uh, that's how it started. And then I would, um, I... I was always trying to look for ways to get out of doing anything in class, especially gym class. I hated gym class. So that's when I would offer readings to my classmates for a dollar, maybe $2. And I, oh, I got into so much trouble for that. Um, which now like I, Hey, gym teacher, like, look at me now. I just feel right? like kickball has done nothing for my life, but <laughs> those readings, that's where it started. So, you know, I feel like now I'm like, oh, wow, it's so exciting to see. Um, I feel like teenagers exploring tarot yes. on Instagram and TikTok. And I'm like, oh, wow, I wish I had had access to that. And I see all of these gorgeous decks and the accessibility through the internet. And, you know, I mean, I we had that shop at the mall and, uh, I don't remember decks being at Barnes and Noble, but the books, that's where I was getting my witchcraft books. But um, that's how I fell into it. I feel like it was just at the right time. I feel like, you know, 12 years old, yeah. that's when we see that rite of passage in so many cultures and religions. And we're questioning who we are and how we relate to other people. It's, it's the same kind of stuff where I think we think about it as an adult. That's where it, it begins. Absolutely. And it's so funny because your story is similar to mine. But now <gasps> I, re I really get to date myself because, you know, back in my days, there was no internet and I lived in a rural area. 
And I had the good fortune of having a friend whose mother did astrology and she did my chart. So I got obsessed with astrology and astrology was my gateway. And there was one time that we went to the mall too, because back in the day, you used to go to the mall. I mean, nobody goes to the mall anymore, but anyhow, we went to the mall and they used to have a bookstore called Walden Books. They're no longer around. They've been gone for a long time, but they were a chain. And I marched over to there there because I was going to get an astrology book. And they had a very tiny metaphysical section. And I remember just like going through, trying to find what astrology book should I get? Where's the one that her mother has? And then I spotted a tarot deck. And they only had like one, and it was the Marseille deck. Because back then, we had far less access than at the time when you were introduced to tarot. There was no chat rooms. There was not a bunch of selection. And in a rural area, you get what you get. So I remember seeing it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to take this home because I'd seen them in the movies. And that is what that simple curiosity, I brought that deck home. Like you, of course, asking about, does this person like me? Who am I? What's my issues? Where am I going? And I became fascinated, just like obsessed. I wanted to learn how to work with that deck. I had no mentors, no teachers. There weren't a lot of books that I could find then because again, we, the, the resources were scanned. So we went to the mall again, and I remember getting going right back to that bookstore. Uh, I wasn't one of those girls who spent a lot of money on clothes. My money all, still to this day always goes on books. And then I saw the Rider Waite Smith deck, and just like you, the same thing. Like, no, <gasps> this person looks powerful, the bright colors. Oh, my God, there's people inside. They're actually doing things. This is so much better than this Marseille deck. And by the way, I, uh, I have a soft spot for Marseille, and I still use a Marseille deck here and there. But the Rider-Waite right Smith deck spoke to me immediately because I'm very visual. And I became madly in love with that deck. And I always have done astrology and studied astrology, but tarot then really took over. And I would read for anybody who would let me. And, you know, back then, people did people were weird about it. They thought it was weird, strange. Um, but sometimes people would allow me. And, you know, when I moved to the city, I found that people were more open to it. It's interesting because I lived in New York for a little while too, back in the late eighties. And there used to be a shop there called the magical child. And that's what you make me think of when you talk about that shop. And the magical child was, was run by this guy named Herman Slater. And he was kind of crabby, but he was a really, you know, respected witch and they had some pretty good tarot cards there. So I remember picking up a few things from that shop. And there's another shop in New York called Enchantments. They're still open. I go to Enchantments yes. every time I visit New York. And I so also good. would go in there and grab a little thing here or there. So when I came to New York, suddenly it's like, oh, my God, there's all kinds of witchy stuff here that I couldn't get where I grew up. And that really opened me up to you know a bigger world. And then a couple of years later, I went pro and I've been doing it ever since. So it's been my lifelong profession for 30 years. And it's so interesting because over the years, things have changed so dramatically because again, the internet and all the artists and all the writers, there's so much more to offer. If you are coming into tarot now, you are coming into it in a time where you have unlimited possibilities of decks to choose from, books to read, teachers, classes conferences. I mean, it blows me away at how different it was from when you were young and when I was young. It's so much different now. Oh, it's incredible. It's just, it's so exciting. And I feel like the, um, 
the crowdsourcing options to allow so many people to create decks in a more accessible way. There's just so many options. It's very exciting. It's a good time to be creative and inspired by tarot as well, I think. It is. And you know, there's there's people coming out with decks too that are, I mean, back in the day with the, the Rider White Smith, you know as well as I do, it was a very cisgendered, heteronormative, uh, very, very white deck. And now there are decks coming out like the Modern Witch Tarot, which is so much more inclusive. There is, I just got the Black Queer Tarot in the mail. I haven't opened it yet. I'm going to be opening it soon. But I mean, we have creators going on crowdfunding and they're creating these other decks too that are going to be for audiences that really felt like they were not getting what they needed from tarot. So I love seeing all the variety, the the different types of decks we can get. And I, of course, love cat decks. You know, my favorite deck of all time is the Baroque Bohemian Cats Tarot. You know, so you can get a deck for anything and it's so awesome. So of course, I've got to ask you, when did you go pro and how did that happen? I mean, it sounds like you and I, we both kind of stumbled into tarot, our initial you know, introduction to it. But how did you go pro? How did that happen? Yeah, I love your story. Thank you. That was just really, I love a, I love a mall oh my God. story. The mall, yes, the mall. And you know, so people good. again, it used to be, I, I have to laugh, if anybody ever watches Fast Time at Ridgemont High, which I think everybody should, that was like life back in the 80s. And it shows a lot of the teenagers' lives were based around malls. Now, I could barely get to the mall because I didn't have a car. And, you know, it was a little bit more out of reach. But whenever I went to the mall, it felt like a big, exciting thing. It's not like that anymore. But malls were big. I know malls are so sad now. And it's like, the mall was like where you went and you tried to like run into your crush and get an Auntie Anne's pretzel and meet up with other kids. And like, I would like make each other mix CDs and like all, it's just so fun. And I always felt this kind of, I think a little bit of embarrassment because I don't have this very, like, I don't know. I don't want to say cool, but like this, uh, I found my deck at the mall. Like I didn't get it in some like, oh, it was handed down to me I or know. it was presented to me in this grand uh, reception. But I, um, but I feel like a lot of people that I yes. really admire are like, yeah, you know, I was listening to, I, I liked metal music and I saw this symbolism and it brought me to this and this or it's just like the mall and I feel like so however you get to tarot or any of these cosmic modalities it's it's good it's right it's there's no shame in the mall there's no shame in the mall Ah. and I agree with you you oftentimes I hear of these people who got it handed down by their mother or it was yeah. gifted by someone, or they went into this cool magic store. And I'm like, oh, I went to the mall. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't sound very glamorous, but I think for a lot of our listeners who are listening, they do need to hear it doesn't matter where you how you come into tarot, whether it's the mall, whether it is some mystical rite of passage, it's a rite of passage no matter how it happens. And yes. there's no again, no shame in the mall, no shame in the mall. But going pro, so how does this yes. yeah? So uh, we'll be talking about the mall all day, right? <laughs> yes. Well, so I love what you said too, like. I also feel like when you were saying something about like, oh, it was kind of weird, like tarot was weird. And I would say that even when I was 
offering readings um, in the 90s, some people were like, oh, no. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like everyone was like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, it was strange. And being the kid who was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm talking to the ghosts. I'm talking to the spirits in my house. I'm talking to my dead grandfather. You're not, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. My best friend and I were talking to all the dead people we knew. Right. And, and then, but, you know, I feel like, especially when I was a lot younger, I just wanted to fit in and be like what I thought was considered normal. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of, I started to hide how much I was talking to spirits and like, using tarot but it was it's always been part of my life I just kept it really hidden and even when I went to college I had a tarot deck like hidden in my in my stuff and I would look at it when my roommates weren't around and even in my my adult jobs and um I was always consulting tarot I just I just didn't talk about it because I feel like I've always been weird. And I didn't want to bring more attention to my weirdness. So I just, you know, for a lot of even my twenties, I was just trying to be like a normal person, even though I always had this, like, you know, my hair's pink now it's always been different colors. Like I'm just, I don't know. I just always have had kind of let my freak flag fly. I just kind of tamped down how freaky it was. And now I'm just like, eh, like everyone's a freak in their own way. I guess, (laughs) you know, I guess this is mine, my freak flag, but it was funny. I just, I had like a series of events that happened in my life that it was a real tower moment, if you Mm -hmm. will, that I've been trying to avoid and avoid and avoid. And then my whole life flew up. And so it's like, okay, everything's scattered in pieces around me. I was getting the messages And intuitively, I knew I had to make a lot, a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. And I, I met a couple of friends through the Kurt Seligman Center. I curated an art show there. And Seligman was this surrealist who Mm -hmm. um, brought the occult and magic into his art and every aspect of his life. And through this space, I connected with some very magical young women who I really felt like myself with. And one of the ladies is a very gifted tarot reader and she gifted me a reading. And one of the main messages was like, you know, you're supposed to be doing tarot readings full time and like leaning into your mediumship. Right. And I was like, what? No. (laughs) And then she was like, well, when you're ready, like everything we're talking about will make sense. Everything will flow, but you have to, you have to like, you know, take the leap. You have to be the fool. And I was like, I don't know about that. Cause like I, I, the idea of being like, okay, like I, it still felt weird to me to say, I'm going to leave my old jobs, my old, the, the industry I've grown up working in because I'm going to pursue being a psychic medium tarot reader in New York city. Okay. And so, and I kept getting the messages in my meditations, in my dreams. And it was just everywhere I looked, I went, I had an aura portrait done. It came up in the aura session. I, uh, I was at a party 
and there was a tarot deck and the host of the party was like, I know you know how to read cards. Can you just do a, a reading for me? And I was like, what? And then I just felt this like, oh, I, I felt almost like I couldn't say no. And then everyone at the party wanted a reading. And I, I felt like well, I can't say no to everyone. So I guess I'll keep doing it. And I, and then a friend of mine was having a party for her book release. And she asked me to do readings at the party. And she's like, I believe in you so much. And I know that you're you're going to not say no, because you don't want to let me down and you need to have this experience. And I was like, oh, fine. And then it's just like, I just, it was natural. Yeah. I just jumped off the cliff and then everything started lining up. And I won't say it's, it took a lot of work. I had to change everything about the way I was living my lifestyle to take better care of myself. I had to make everything about how can I be the best reader? I can be in the best vessel to be of service. But once I really prioritized that, I feel like all of the signs kept coming into place Mm -hmm. and there's no greater joy I have than doing this work. I I love this so much. It is so interesting because I also had another weird little experience too. Many years ago before I went pro, I had been reading for tarot for some time and I was down in Florida on some beach and there was a hippie there doing palm readings. And he said, let me read your palm. And I said, I think he was trying to flirt with me, but I'm like, okay, fine. And he read my palm and he was really intrigued with my crooked little fingers, which are a hereditary thing. And he said, okay, I don't remember anything he said except this one thing. He said, you're going to be running your own business one day. You'll be very successful and you'll never need another man again. And I said, business? I mean, my concept of business at that day back then was like somebody wearing a three-piece suit and carrying a briefcase. I'm like, business, what the hell would I do? I mean, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And so, you know, I had been reading Tarot then for a number of years afterwards, and I would read for anybody who would let me, and I was working at a bar. I was bartending. And I started bringing in the tarot cards to have something to do. And they, those cards, people love them. I mean, my days became so busy. I would be slinging cards, slinging drinks, running back and forth, delivering a pizza, reading another card. And, you know, people were always saying, oh, my God, I would pay you to get something outside of here. And so I kept getting nudged. But the big nudge for me, and people know the story, is I had a boss who went and told everybody I would never make it. He said, no one's going to pay for that. And that was it. As soon as I got that information back to me, I'm like, oh, God, no. Oh, God, no, that ain't going to happen. And so I quit. And I just like you, I took the fool's leap. I jumped off the cliff and it went, it's been gone for 30 years. So the nudge I needed, and I think back to that palm reading and that guy saying, you're going to run your own business and you don't need a man. And it was this man who ran that bar who was really negative. And I realized I didn't need him. I'm going to go make it on my own. Bye. It was the best. It was a hard decision. And also the same thing. It wasn't easy to make the transition. I didn't know anything about business. Uh, dealing with the public was very challenging because I'm highly introverted. So it was challenging. But, you know, 30 years later, the universe kept nudging, 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 and all the signs were there. And I think that's one thing that happens for people that you feel a calling, there's a nudge, there's signs, there's that tower move moment, there's that fool moment, and then suddenly you're pro. It, it, it's rarely 
for the readers that I've encountered over the years, that's how it seems to be like this, a very big theme like that. I rarely meet anybody who's got it totally planned out. Rarely Ooh. do I meet anybody who says, well, yeah, I'm going to grow up one day and be a tarot reader. And this is how I'm going to do it. I don't, those people never seem to make it. You know, it's those <laughs> of us who get that, that nudge, that tower, that fool thing that seem to be, you know, guided by something greater to be doing this. And, and then we do it and we figure it out. We figure it out. Oh, now I'm inspired. I want to meet the child who's like, oh, I want to grow up and be a tarot reader or uh, a mystic or something. Sometimes but, people, right? listen, over the years, <laughs> I've worked with many, many wannabe readers. And some of them, I feel they're not getting into it because it's a calling. They get into it because they assume it's going to be an easy way to make a living. They think it's going to be fun work uh, or they've been reading for a few months. They take it a class, got a certification and assume this is just some easy, fun thing. I'm going to have a great time. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're people, you're taking people's lives into your hands. There's great responsibility that comes with this. This is a monkey's paw. You be careful what you're wishing for. It's very, very hard work. And that's why, again, I feel for most readers who are super successful at this work, there's that nudge. It isn't like, I'm going to plan it. I don't think it works well. I mean, I may be wrong, but that's just what I've encountered over all the years when I've worked with new readers or people who want to be readers. I agree with you. I do. I feel like, and I do think there's, there are so many enjoyable, wonderful aspects to this work, but it is so hard. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, the, the apprehension when you're getting all of the nudges, it's because, you know, you know, you know what you're getting easy. into. Yeah. You know, this is not going to be fun. You <laughs> know. And so that is what really sets people apart. And, you know, when they're thinking about going pro, it's like, you know what you're getting into, right? Make sure you think very long and hard because it's a lot of responsibility. It's a lot of work. It can be draining. It can be wonderful and glamorous and fun and exciting, but there is there you are taking people's lives into your hands and that requires great, great mindfulness, you know, and of course I've watched you over the years and you've really transitioned brilliantly into this amazing writer. I love reading your articles on Cosmo and wherever you pop up, it's like, Ooh, what did she write now? So of course I want to know your story. How did you get into going from tarot pro to writer? Because I think a lot of people wonder that I get people asking me, well, how did you become a writer? So I'm going to hear your story. How did that happen? Because that's another career that has kind of a a nudge into it. When you think about it, you kind of have a calling to be a writer. It isn't just like, I'm going to be a writer because it's like, you know, you're good. You you can feel those words. You feel a calling. So at least that's what I think. So let me hear. Oh, I totally agree with you. I just, I've always been writing too. Like that's how I would, I'm, I'm an only child. So I, entertained myself a lot as a kid, you know, when I wasn't talking to the the ghosts and everything. And I just loved to write creatively and write poems and write stories. And what's actually super funny too, is I realized earlier this week that the same time when I bought my first witchcraft book, I bought my first tarot deck, I was going to a creative writing camp in the summer. And I met my first fellow witch that was my age. Yeah. And it was so cool because I only knew like crones and Mm -hmm. I I never met another like 
which might other than my best friend. And I was like, oh, wow. And so we would talk about books and she had her tarot deck too. And so I realized like actually like writing has been a big part of my like witch life. And, and that was also the first time I met professional writers because our teachers at camp were all like supporting themselves as writers and, and teachers of creative writing. And I went to a high school magnet program that was about the arts and humanities and writing. And it was just like a rigorous part of my education since I was a kid. And I, I just loved writing and, but I never really thought of it as something to do professionally, but a goal of mine is I want tarot and magic and witchcraft to be accessible. I want people to feel like they can approach it and it doesn't have to be this, uh, intimidating, obscure, mm-hmm. um, realm that's so challenging to enter. I think that everyone could benefit from magic. And I like to think of like, how can magic become like, almost like a, a best friend figure Mm. to you as someone you co-create with. And, um, my friend Lisa Stardust has always been very encouraging of my writing. And so she put, uh, you know, she, was always pushing me. And it's so nice when you have support and people mm-hmm. around you that believe in you. And, um, you know, writing's a lot of work too. working in these publications. Like it's, it's a yes. lot of research. It's a lot of pitching. And so I just have it built into my schedule to, to kind of be inspired and, and pitch. And I would say like the vast majority of my pitches are turned down, mm-hmm. but, um, you just keep going. I feel like, and it's so exciting when something gets bought. And I just love, like, I see everything through the lens of magic and tarot. And like, even when I was listening to my friend's album the other day and each, I was like, this song is so <laughs> the fool. And I was like, oh my God, this song is so two of cups. And I was like, and it's just like, I just can't help it. It's like vibrating in every aspect of my life. And I want to, I want to bring that in. And I, I love being able to share that through writing and maybe offer another access point because I was reading Cosmo when I was 12 and oh my god I loved, yes you know I loved magazines so uh you know and I just feel like everything is less weird the more we encounter it so I mean if you are reading about a love spell or a tarot spread the more you see it the more uh, you become familiar with it. It's just like not so weird anymore. And that's my goal with, with my writing. I love that. You know, oh, and you're right. I remember back in the day, blue uh, nail polish was considered weird. Now everybody's yeah. wearing it, but it used to be really right. weird. Like you were a freak <laughs> if you wore it. Oh my God, you were going to, you know, you were like one of those people. So it is so interesting how when we expose everybody to things, they start to see, oh, this isn't so weird after all. And I love that you do make things really accessible. You break it down, but you never make it, um, you never dumb it down. You break things down and you make it very accessible for people. And I think that helps people to understand that tarot and magic is for everybody. Because I think back in the day, and this is where I really sound like I'm really ancient, (laughs) um, but I think there there was that feeling like 
oh, I can't read tarot or, oh, witchcraft. You know, I can't do that. I think a lot of people felt um, scared. They felt, like you said, intimidated. And so writers such as yourself are helping people see that, no, this is something every day you can, you can use this. And here's how. And that really helps. You know, it's so funny because with my writing career, um, I loved to read when I was a child. I loved to read. And my love for reading, I grew up in a family who didn't read. But I broke my leg when I was two and I was stuck in the hospital for like six weeks in traction because that's what they did back in the 60s. Oh, my God. Oh. I mean, so my poor parents had to leave me there. It was really kind of traumatic for them and for me. But what did I do all day laying in that hospital bed? Well, I watched Sesame Street and I read every book they would give to me. So when I came out of the hospital at two years old, I could read. I could read at like a grade school level and because I had nothing else to do. And I was always with a book in my hands. Always, always, always. I was that little nerdy girl who wanted to get out of gym class too. I wanted to be in the library. I would go home with a stack of books almost every day. I'm still walking around with a stack of books every day. And it was books, 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 books. And I loved my writing classes. And my writing teachers always told me, you know, oh, you can write, you know, you're a good writer. And I worked on our school newspaper and all that stuff. But as an adult, I never thought about, you know, becoming a writer. I mean, I just didn't think of it. I'm like, ugh. You know, you got to be really super gifted. You got to get, you know, take all the schooling for that. And um, so that didn't, I didn't, I couldn't see it. But when I created my website, I started blogging and I thought, okay, well, blogging I can do. And I'm going to share tarot information and share my thoughts about this or that. And, you know, so my blog started to develop. My blog right now is huge. It's massive. And so I started blogging and, you know, I didn't realize at the time that, well, duh, you're a writer because you're blogging. And I actually have publishers approach me because they like my writing. And that is how I transitioned then from tarot reader to writer to writing books is I was blogging a lot, a lot. I still blog a lot. And because I love to communicate and share information. I think we're both ruled by Mercury. It looks like you have a Virgo necklace on. Yes. (laughs) I mean, Mercury ruled people. I'm a Gemini. We love to share information. And so how I transitioned into, you know, a writing career then was by blogging. And that led to publishers. And then boom, boom, boom. I have eight books under my belt as of next year. And it all starting with just saying, I'm going to start this blog. What do I have to say? You know, sometimes, again, it's just that one step and suddenly, boom, there you are. Now you're a writer. We're writers. I mean, that's like so crazy to me. I would have never thought back in the day I'd be a tarot reader. I'd be a for 30 years and I'd be a writer with many published books. So it's so strange and exciting and weird. (laughs) Yes. So weird. I love that. And now go ahead oh I was just gonna say and I feel like that's that's even something that tarot reminds me of the cards but that say you can't make a plan you just have to do it and see where it goes and then all of a sudden you're there it's again that fool's (laughs) leap it is the fool's leap like okay well I'm gonna pitch an article or I'm gonna write a blog and all of a sudden, here we are, we're writing books, we're writing all this other stuff. And, you know, the other transition that both you and I have made recently is we are behind tarot decks. And a lot of people want to know, how did you get into writing the book for this tarot deck? Or what, how involved are you? And so I get asked the question a lot. And, you know, my, my uh, 
recent deck is Tarot for Kids and you have the Cosmo Tarot. So how did you transition from you're writing all this stuff and now all of a sudden you're, you're behind a deck? Yeah. Well, I have to be honest. I never thought about um, that I would create a tarot deck. I mean, there was a, a dream in there, but it was one of those dreams. I was like, that's just so immense that it's, it almost feels um, immensely above me in this yes. way. Like I don't even dream about that. Cause that's not something you can accomplish. And Cosmo approached me about it because they liked how I was writing for them and, and the voice that I used. And I mean, what a dream come true. I just, I love Cosmo and this opportunity was so exciting to me because it's, it was an opportunity to create a deck that I hoped to be accessible and as a tool to unlock intuition. Because when I reconnected more strongly with tarot after this major tower moment in my life, I had completely lost my way with my intuition Mm -hmm. and, and reconnecting with tarot and journaling every day, doing a daily card pull. That's what I found myself again. And I found my confidence in myself and my inner wisdom. And I was like, I want to help bring that to someone else who needs that. And I want tarot to be fun and magic Mm -hmm. to be fun. And I want someone who gets this deck to think like, yeah, I can do this and I can have a good time and I can laugh and or I can cry and and then laugh at the connections of the universe and how this all falls into place and makes sense and have those major moments with tarot. And so I just feel like it aligned. It mm-hmm. took a lot of work, but mm-hmm. but it, it it made sense and it was a wonderful experience. It was a challenge because I yes. wanted to look at these cards in a lens that felt um, modern and contemporary. And how do we make these cards fit where we are right now? So I enjoyed the challenge of it as well. Yeah, it's so interesting, too, because, again, it's kind of like we got asked. And, you know, I did help Shaheen Miro write um, the book for his Uncommon Tarot. So I had a little taste of what it is about writing for a deck, you know, and Sound True reached out for me and they said, what do you think about writing a, about a deck for kids? And I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Oh, my God, I would have loved a deck when I was a little girl. I would have went nuts over that. I would have went so gung ho. So that was an instant yes for me. I'm like, of course. And because I had some experience helping Shaheen write his book. I knew then that I could write a, a tarot deck guide and I really enjoyed working with them. And sounds true is a wonderful publisher. Uh, Wiser is the publisher behind Shaheen's deck. They're fabulous too. And, you know, so it was really great being involved in the uh, concept. I didn't do any of the art because I'm uh, graphically challenged, but they hired an amazing artist, Kaylee Whitman. And I made my suggestions on certain things like this is what we need to think about. This is what we want to really make a deck that's going to be um, accessible for children and fun and modern and inclusive. So just like you, I really was thinking a lot about giving, um, you know, the traditional Rider-Waite Smith deck an update but also making it kid friendly. So it's just, again, one of those other situations where I was asked that I'm like, oh my God, yes, of course, this is a brilliant idea. A tarot deck for kids, yes. And by the way, I love that you're involved with Cosmo because I think every 
everybody knows we've all read Cosmo at one point. And when I was young, I subscribed to Cosmo and also Mademoiselle, which no longer exists. And I remember my father being outraged by me reading those magazines because he thought I was going to get bad ideas. And it's like, Dad, I already have bad ideas. Right? <laughs> I mean, I have bad ideas that I'm doing all this wit I'm doing all this witchy stuff and listening to all the music that you hate. What do you think a magazine is going to do? Anything else? But I even think back to those magazines. And all the information they were sharing. And Cosmo always had their little astrology, the bedside astrologer. You know, so a lot of us got into also astrology from Cosmo. So I do have, to, I do think it's interesting that they finally put out a deck. I think that's awesome. And I love that you're behind it. So, of course, I want to know more about the deck. I know my listeners are going to want to know more about it. It's about to drop any second. Uh, I have a copy of it. It's unique. It's very surreal. It feels like Dolly got involved with this deck is what I think of it as. And also what blew my mind when I was looking at the deck is pens for swords. And I was doing a live unboxing. I'm like, oh, my God, the pen is mightier than the sword. And clocks for pentacles. I'm like, oh, my God, time is the most valuable thing we have. So, I mean, just all of it blew my mind. And I just want to know more about your deck. What can you tell my listeners about the Cosmo Tarot? Well. I'm so thrilled to hear your feedback and insight. I know you've seen so many decks. So to see you light up about that, especially the, the pip cards too. And, you know, for me personally, like I find the sword suit to be so intimidating and mm -hmm. devastating. And I am someone who definitely lives in her head. So I know why I have those challenges with the swords. But I also really think about how, um, these cards take on new meanings, the more we work with that. Mm -hmm. And in my own like personal professional practice, uh, the way the swords show up for my clients who work with, uh, as writers who work with pens, also needles, like mm. have such a connection with the swords cards. And I love the artwork that Cosmo created to go with this deck. I think it's really modern and fresh. I think it's an inclusive because I want people to see themselves in that deck mm -hmm. because I, I feel like that's how we connect with a deck. And again, like keeping it fresh and modern and letting your intuition guide you. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the imagery really effectively helps us tap into that, uh, inner wisdom. It does. And I, it's just such a unique deck. And I also, by the way, love the square shape. It feels good in my hands. Oh, good. Good. It feels good in my that. hands. Yes. I mean, you know, I love standard decks. I love big Oracle size cards. I love round ones, but I've got a few square decks and there's, they really feel good in my hands. So I just want to say the square it, shape is also <gasps> something I love. So I love that you decided to go with that. I appreciate that because as a hazard of the job, I am shuffling cards so much that I have developed chronic pain in my wrists and hands and it's manageable, but I feel like, you know, you want the cards. I want this to be used by everyone, pros yes. included, and for it to feel good when you have them and, and know that there's magic afoot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is magic afoot. And, and, you know, there's something about square shaped decks or larger shaped decks that one thing people don't realize, and I pointed out, is that for people who have 
issues with their hands, which I do because my thumbs are very arthritic. And that sounds so strange, but I have super arthritic thumbs. Sometimes I need a bigger deck or a square shaped deck just feels good in the hands. It doesn't feel as hard to manipulate when I'm having a bad thumb day. And I've also talked to other people who have um, issues with their hands that have felt like a bigger, chunkier deck works well for them. So I think that's something for tarot readers to keep in the back of their minds that sometimes people need different decks depending on what feels good in their hands. And the regular standard deck doesn't always work for everybody. It's true. It's true. So I was glad that you noticed the mm-hmm. shape too. <laughs> Felt very, very good with my hands. I will tell you that. So um, amazing. So for people who want to know about where to buy the deck, where can they get the deck? I know it's dropping like any second. Where can they find it? Yes. So by the time you're hearing this episode, it will be out everywhere. You can get your own copy wherever you buy books. And I hope you pick it up at the mall if that's where you go. (laughs) Yes. Um, But any of your favorite independent bookstores, of course, you can get it. Amazon, Target, Walmart, the biggies. Um, But please ask your favorite local witch shop. And, you know, I, I believe Enchantments in New York will be carrying it, which I know you gave them a shout out. I love them too, but uh, yeah, I hope you pick it up. It's a nice price and yes. I want it to be yours. Yes. And for those of you who are lucky to love, uh, lucky enough to live in New York, you've got Enchantment, you've got Om Shanti. There's some really amazing bookstores in New York and here in Wisconsin, we've got Ascended Gifts and we've got Free Spirit Crystals. So we've got our little metaphysical community too. So Uh, If you have a metaphysical store, if you're fortunate enough to have one, make sure you do reach out to them and say, hey, I want the Cosmo Tarot. Uh, They need to sometimes know that there are these other decks. And so you always do uh, authors a solid by letting the metaphysical shops or local indie shops know what you want to carry. So folks, please make sure you do that. And so Sarah, this has been great. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you, if they want to read all your good stuff, if they want to work with you, where are they going? Uh, I would love to connect with you further. You can find me on social media at I am Sarah Potter, and that's Sarah with an H. I write the weekly tarot scopes on astrology.com, quarterly tarot scopes for Bust Magazine, and uh, throughout the digital space of Cosmo as well. So I hope you'll send me a message or book a reading with me. I'd love to have more time with you. Well, I could talk to you all day. I would love to have more time with you, but I know we've got to get going. So Sarah, thank you for coming again and sharing your story. I think that this is going to get people thinking about how we've made our transitions. And I love your story so much. And maybe it's going to inspire people also to find that nudge and to listen to that nudge and to take the fool's leap. And who knows, you may be a reader, you may be a professional reader, you might become a writer, a decorator. We don't know where it's going to lead, but... I think your story can inspire people when that nudge comes to just leap. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, people, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, lots of books, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and so many other goodies for you to scope out and enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And by the way, if you're digging the podcast, you know what to do. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review. 
because that helps more tarot curious people find their way to this little podcast. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, well, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending. <laughs>